Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to a brand new edition of the Metropolitan Report. I am your host, Alfred Parsar Jr., for where the next hour or so we're going to talk about any and everything New York Mets. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021, and on today's edition of the Metropolitan Report, we are going to look at several different things going on right now. First, we're going to do a little recap and take a look at the last couple of spring training games, talk about what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, I'm going to give my projected opening day roster, so I'm going to tell you who starts where, uh, who's going to be the backups, and who, we'll talk about who's on the bubble to make the team, and if certain things don't go according to plan, who can fill in for who. Mind you, I said opening day, not the whole season. Uh, and we're going to talk about projected rule changes that Major League Baseball is going to test out in the minor leagues for 2021, and we're going to talk about if those rules make sense at all in the minors or even in the Major League level. Uh, and we'll discuss the pitching rotation. So first things first, uh, the Mets had a big win yesterday. I just want to give a huge shout out to uh, an interesting moment that happened in uh, the Grapefruit League this week. Uh, Luis Guillorme, uh, the Mets backup second baseman who's been on the team for quite a while. Um, he faced uh, the returning Jordan Hicks of the St. Louis Cardinals. Shout outs to Luis Guillorme because Guillorme, he battled, man. He had a 22-pitch walk. That's right, folks. He drew a walk after 22 pitches. He fought. He battled. And uh, I did say that we were going to talk about things in spring training that we liked. And I liked that fight. Now, this is a meaningless spring training game. Luis Guillorme, uh, he has all but a guaranteed bench position uh, on the roster. And he's in spring training fighting to get on base. He put a lot of effort in that at bat. Um, the footage is out there for those of you who want to go see it. Uh, Jordan Hicks, who had uh, Tommy John in 2019, he opted out in 2020. So this is like his real first pitching action. And usually 22 pitches, you don't even want to throw that in one inning. Uh, Hicks threw that in one batter. He exhausted Hicks so much that they, St. Louis, they, they pulled Jordan Hicks uh, after that at bat. Guillaume drew a walk. Uh, the bench was going crazy, especially uh, Pete Alonzo and Dominic Smith uh, getting the uh, crowd at Clover Park hyped up. And it was just a fun at bat, and, and he battled, and that's what I like to see. I like to see the players on my franchise. I like to see the players on the team. Uh, even though it's a meaningless spring training game, these games don't count for anything. He, he battled and he drew a walk. He made, he made, the, he made the pitcher work. If this would have been a regular season game, I, I would have loved the effort. Um, in a regular season game, he pretty much would have tired tired out that pitcher. And who knows if Hicks would have stayed in the game if it was a regular season game. But, yeah, uh, props to Luis Guillorme. Uh, we we want to talk about what else we liked. Uh, how about Jordan Yamamoto? Jordan Yamamoto having a great spring. Uh, he was a trade acquisition picked up in February uh, from the division rival Miami Marlins. And uh, Yamamoto, he has a 1.08 ERA so far this spring. I mean, I know it's it's just spring training. And in the spring, you know, the again, these games don't count. Uh, sometimes you're facing uh, guys who you know are not going to make the team. Uh, you're facing guys who, for lack of a better term, are minor leaguers. Uh, the only reason they're in camp is because there was no minor league ball being played in 2020. So this is part of the, the, the practice to get some guys some reps. But again, a 1.08 ERA is very difficult. 
Uh, Cy Young winners of previous years didn't even have 1.08 ERAs. So uh, I like what I see out of, of Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, the offense is clicking. Uh, Michael Conforto batting 333 this spring. Yesterday against the Cardinals, he went three for three with two RBIs. Um, is just having a good spring. Pete Alonso, who a lot of people were disappointed with in 2020 because he, he had a down year. Uh, nothing like his historic 2019 season. But he's smacking home multiple home runs. Uh, Kevin Pillar has, is having, a, even though he's going to be a backup uh, for us this season, he's having a, a heck of a spring. Um, you can't discount Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar has had several big hits for RBIs this spring. So, I mean, the, the, the team's clicking. The team is clicking offensively. Um, and then you even got guys on the bench. Albert Almora, a couple big hits uh, so far this spring. So, I like what I see out of the offense now. We want to talk about what we don't like. Uh, our guy, David Peterson, who's battling for a rotation spot. He's struggling. Um, David Peterson, it's, it's not a... For a guy who 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 was a prized prospect, got called up in a in a shortened 2020 season. Um, you know he's got a he's just got to do better. I mean, he was on the major league club last season. He 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 had a decent season considering what it was. But for a guy battling for the the fifth spot in the rotation, I I really I really don't know. I mean, in the game yesterday against the Cardinals. He started, he got two quick outs in the first inning, but then all of a sudden the bases were loaded with two outs, and then Jose Rondon hit a two-run single, and then he starts off the second inning issuing a walk and allowed another run in the third. I mean, he did have a good fourth inning, but uh, even even Luis Rojas, uh, when speaking to the press after the game, he even uh, acknowledged that uh, Peterson left too many strikes over the heart of the plate which uh, result, even though some of them were outs, they resulted in some hard-hit balls. And uh, Peterson, if you if you watch the tape back from yesterday's start, his, his command is inconsistent. And that, that that's going to be a big problem, especially for a guy who's trying to lock down uh, a, a starter spot in the rotation. But uh, let, let's hear some comments on what David Peterson had to say about his, his struggles in yesterday's start and, and for the spring overall. Uh, plenty to work on going forward, and... Um... Looking forward to the next start. You think you've, at, at this point, you've kind of shown him uh, everything you have to show him, and it's just a matter of just going out there and, and uh, building up your pitch count at this point? I think I started doing that last year. Um, and like I said, I wanted to come into spring training as ready as I could be, and I, I feel like I'm in a good position. But um, there's definitely uh, definitely some things to work on before we get out of spring. Hey, David, uh, I, I know you threw a couple of first pitch curveballs in there. How do you feel about that pitch right now? Uh, it feels good for me. Um, like I said before, it was an emphasis during the offseason to make that a quality fourth pitch. Um, and I'm pleased with the work that we've we've done so far. And um, I think there's there's more work to be done on that. I think there's some stuff that we can kind of iron out in bullpens, but um, I think getting two quick outs and then letting guys on is unacceptable in my mind. And um, so I think that's something that we need to work on going forward and um, just attacking guys. I mean, I, I felt really good about that fourth inning and um, I think that's more of who I am. And so it's kind of cleaning up what happened in the first three. Um, like I said, I'm looking forward to my next start.
I think looking forward, starting in the offseason, looking forward to a full season and trying to get prepared for that was what the goal for me was. Um, obviously, 50 innings is not a lot, and um, I want to be able to help this team win and, and contribute a lot. Um, and so I think that that mindset started at the beginning of the offseason for me of coming in and being able to build up and getting ready for a, a bigger workload this year. Now, I'm going to break down what David Peterson just said. And when that reporter asked him, do you think you've shown everything you got? And he said, I think I started doing that last year. Like, hold the phone, David Peterson. Now, you had a decent, a decent 2020. But, and I'm not trying to discredit anybody who had success in 2020, but 2020 was bizarro world. I mean... And if we really want to do a deep dive uh, into into David Peterson and his 2020, he pitched 10 games. He went six and two, which is a which is a good record. Six wins, two losses, two no decisions, 3.44 ERA. But as he said, he only pitched 50 innings. And then you're struggling in spring training. So the hell with 2020. You know how many guys have had great seasons. And then they come back the next season and they slump. So we don't know if he was a fluke last season. I would hope he's not a fluke. He won triple the amount of games that he lost. So I hope he's not a fluke. However, you're you're clearly struggling and they're asking you, you know, do you do you think that you've showed them everything you're capable of? Oh yeah, I, I started I started uh doing that last season. You only pitched fifty innings. There was no tape on you. You didn't even pitch above double A before you came up. And we all know how it goes in sports. Guy gets called up, makes his debut. There's little to no tape on him, so teams can't film study him. Then once they, there's enough tape, they figure you out, and there you go. Yeah, I started that last season. Like, get up off your high horse. I do, I do like the confidence, but let, let's not get cocky here. And mind you, he pitched in the NL East. He saw the Phillies and the Nationals, who stunk. And he saw the Orioles and the Red Sox, who stunk, equally as bad. Remember, in 2020, it was bizarro world. The Mets only played teams in the NL East and the AL East. So, you, you, you out of those 50 innings, you saw the Red Sox, the Orioles, the Nationals, and the Phillies, four non-playoff teams. Teams that finished worse than the Mets, so of course you 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 dominate them. Six and two, three point four four, decent, but you're you're struggling in the spring. And I and, and again, I have no problem with somebody being confident, but when you're not playing well, oh yeah, I, I started that last season. Like come on, I, I don't know why that upset me so much, but it does. But he does admit. Even though you, you started showing them last season, you still have work to do. You admitted that the 50 innings wasn't enough. So again, get up off your high horse. You're, 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 you're fighting for a spot in the rotation to start the season. You were a midseason call-up last year. like Because once Syndergaard comes back, somebody's getting bumped out of that rotation. And we're going to talk about Carlos Carrasco in a, in a few minutes with that whole situation. But it's not looking good for 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 David Peterson. 
especially that Jordan Yamamoto is pitching lights out in the spring and you're not. After the way last season went for David Peterson, I expect bigger and better things out of him. So, I'm thinking we have the ace of the future. I guess not. But, and he admits he, there's work to do. He, he's trying to work on his curveball. But you can't, but you can't backtrack and answer one question so, so cock, so cocky. And then the very next question is like you backtrack a little bit. And then the question after that, you backtrack even more. So, but I mean, you got to forget last season and, you know, uh, correct what's going on now in the spring. Like, again, I, the reporter asked, do you, you think you showed him everything you got? He could have said, no, but there are things to work on. But I wouldn't have said, no, I think I started showing him from last season. Again, it's a new year. And like I said, we've seen plenty of guys have phenomenal seasons. And then the very next season, they slump. Some of them play their way out of the league. Look at Chris Crush Davis. I, I don't even think we should call him Crush anymore because he ain't hitting no home runs like that. But look at, look at Chris Davis on the Baltimore Orioles. Had that one magical year where he was unstoppable. Then they give him that huge extension and he's been a shell of himself ever since. So... David Peterson just needs to needs to step it up, but for a guy battling for that 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 fifth rotation spot, it's uh it's not looking too good, especially the way Yamamoto is pitching. Speaking of roster spots, I did say that I was going to give my projected opening day roster for the Mets, so let's go around the diamond. Uh, let's start off at catcher first. So obviously, because of the big free agent signing. Um, there is no way I don't see James McCann being the starting catcher. Uh, Tomas Nito is going to be the backup. Um, the other catchers they have in camp, Patrick Mazika, Caleb Joseph, Bruce Maxwell. I don't see any of them barring some type of injury to Tomas Nito, who has been, uh, the Mets longtime backup for years now, but I don't see Mazika, Joseph or Maxwell get getting the spot, uh, unless Nito gets hurt. Uh, it's going to be interesting because McCann, James McCann, uh, he is a defensive upgrade over Wilson Ramos. He has a, a more offensive upside as well. However, uh, McCann has never been a full-time starter in Major League Baseball, uh, the former Chicago White Sox. So it's going to be interesting to see how he, um, how he's going to manage being um, a, a full-time starting catcher in a 162-game season. But again, McCann's getting the start. Uh, Tomas Nito, I don't see how he would not get the backup position. Uh, first base, Pete Alonso, no question. Um, again, uh, will he rebound from 2020? Uh, the Mets are giving him every opportunity to do so in 2021. Um, he's unquestioned uh, first base, starting first baseman. Um, Jose Martinez, who... who tore his meniscus as we discussed in the last edition of the metropolitan report um he was all he wasn't guaranteed to make the roster he was on the bubble but he's definitely not gonna be on the opening day roster now that he has that injury and is gonna be sidelined for at least four months uh going to second base uh, is very interesting we have jeff mcneil uh penciled to start second um robinson cano as we said on the very first edition of the metropolitan report 
Uh, he's got a full season suspension due to uh, being caught with performance-enhancing drugs. But uh, Mc- Jeff McNeil is a natural second baseman. He came up as a natural second baseman. He's a second baseman by trade. Uh, in the past, we have seen him play in the outfield, but with that crowded situation there, he's 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 a lock to start the season at second base. Uh, other possibilities at second, uh, Brandon Drury and Jake Hager, but with Luis Guillorme and Jonathan Villar on the roster, I don't see how Drury and Hager make it. Uh, shortstop, uh, Francisco Lindor, obviously the big trade acquisition. There's no way Lindor does not, uh, start a shortstop barring some, uh, act of God. Um, and again, if he does need a break, um, needs an off day, we have Guillaume and Villar. The thing about Luis Guillaume and Jonathan, uh, Villar, um, with Guillaume and Villar, uh, they can play second, short, or third. So if anybody in uh, if McNeil or Lindor or the third baseman, uh, J.D. Davis, who we'll get to in just a second, if they need an off day or they get hurt, um, VR, who had a great 2019 for the Baltimore Orioles, um, and Guillaume, who has been on the club for the last uh, three seasons, they can easily, easily uh, uh, slot in. Um, other possibility is Jose Peraza. Um, but I don't see Peraza making the, the big league club either. Third base, J.D. Davis. And it's, it's, it's weird because in the offseason, the Mets were considering trading for Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryant. But they didn't. And J.D. Davis is still is still here. I don't know why people question J.D.'s defense. He's a third baseman by trade. We have seen him in the outfield. But again, just like we said with McNeil, uh, we don't expect J.D. Davis to, to touch the outfield, at least not in the early part of the season, um, because the outfield is so crowded. But again, if J.D. Davis needs a day off, uh, he has uh, Luis Guillorme and Jonathan Villar um, that can spell him if he needs a day off or he gets hurt. Now let's get to that crowded outfield position. Um, so I have uh, Dominic Smith, Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto with Kevin Pillar, and Albert Almora Jr. Um, as the backups. Now, here was the interesting situation. I feel like Jose Martinez getting hurt uh, has all but cleared the way for Almora. A reason being is because even though Martinez got hurt playing first base, he could also play the outfield. And I think if Martinez would have stayed healthy, he would have bumped Almora uh, for an opening day roster spot on the bench. Reason being is because he could play first if, if for some reason uh, Pete, Pete Alonso gets hurt or slumps. And he could play in the outfield. But with him being gone with the torn meniscus, Almora, especially with the uh, offensive output that he's had this spring, Almora is a lock to make the team. Uh, one other possibility is Malik Smith, the former Seattle Mariner. But I don't see him making the club. He hasn't uh, impressed or turned heads in this spring so far. Um, the only question... Uh, with the Mets outfield is the defense. Again, we've said it before on this program, Dominic Smith, first baseman by trade, didn't start playing left field until he got to the majors, which is so much of a challenge and uh, so much of a difficulty. Uh, Brandon Nimmo has had uh, defensive issues at times and uh, Conforto is the cornerstone. Please, uh, Mets front office, uh, Steve Cohen, Sandy Alderson, please, uh, make sure that you lock up not only Lindor, but Michael Conforto as well. Pay that man. He had a heck of a game 
yesterday against the Cardinals. He's having a heck of a spring. Uh, that's a guy we want to hold on to. But, uh, yeah, Martinez, uh, Jose Martinez going down locks up a, a opening day roster spot for Albert Almora. And I, I just don't see Malik Smith um, making the big league club. The starting rotation, uh, the starting pitching rotation, I have here Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker, Joey Lucchese, and Jordan Yamamoto. Now, some people are asking, well, you didn't say Carlos Carrasco. So let's get to Cookie Carrasco. Uh, Carlos Carrasco is in danger of not being on the opening day roster. Uh, he hasn't pitched not one inning this spring uh, because of an issue with his elbow. He's having soreness in his elbow, which uh, even though they're optimistic that he'll get on the opening day roster, Luis Rojas, uh, when speaking to the press about Carrasco, uh, said that even if he doesn't pitch an inning in spring training, that would have no effect on whether he he will be available um, on the opening day roster to make his first start of the season. Uh, right now, they they had Carrasco projected to be number two in the rotation behind DeGrom, but if, if that elbow uh, doesn't get back to normal and he's not feeling better, uh, there's no way he's going to make the opening day roster. And opening day is April 1st. Um, that is exactly two weeks from this Thursday, 14 days from this Thursday. So it remains to be seen. But if Carrasco can't go... Again, I'll repeat that. I have Jacob deGrom, the open, he's been named the opening day starter already. Um, I'll have Marcus Stroman at two, Taiwan Walker at three, Joey Lucchese, who, even though he's only pitched in one game, uh, he looked very good, didn't allow any runs. Uh, and then I have uh, Yamamoto, who we spoke about earlier. Uh, other possibilities, uh, Jared Eikhoff, uh, and the aforementioned David Peterson, who needs to get it together. Um... I do see um, Peterson being on the roster at some point, but you got to get it together. If I had to pick between Peterson and Yamamoto just off spring training performances, I'm going with Jordan Yamamoto all the way. But yeah, uh, Cookie Carrasco, his his elbow soreness, which has prevented him from appearing in the Grapefruit League all spring so far, um, could have him start the season on the injured list. Uh, but if he does get on the injured list, I've got Joey Lucchese at four and Yamamoto at five with a DeGrom at one, Stroman two, and Taiwan Walker at three. Um, Noah Syndergaard is expected to be back in June. But again, we're talking about the opening day roster. It remains to be seen who's going to get bumped from the rotation should Syndergaard come back. It definitely won't be Stroman or DeGrom. I don't even think Walker. But... Again, it, 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 it remains to be seen who's going to get the bump. Um, it'll all probably depend on performance. Nobody will know until we get there. And then finally, the bullpen. So, I've got Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Aaron Loop, Jerice Familia, Dylan Batansis, Robert Gesellman, uh, Miguel Castro, and Sam McWilliams on this list. Other possibilities are Drew Smith, who's been a Met the last couple of seasons, Mike Montgomery, Jacob Barnes, Stephen Tarpley, Daniel Zamora, Sean Reed Foley, Arotis Vizcaino, the veteran Jerry Blevins, Trevor Hildenberger, and Tommy Hunter. Uh, Seth Lugo will not be on the opening day roster uh, due to uh, his elbow injury, uh, so that weakens the bullpen just a little bit. 
Uh, tre- uh, the first six names on this list, Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Aaron Loop, Familia, and Batances, uh, and we could even say Gesellman are all locks to make the opening day roster, even though Familia and Batances have struggled this spring, and I, and I have sh- stated my opinions on the both of them on a previous edition of the Metropolitan Report. I don't see how they, they start the season in the minors. I heavily doubt it. Uh, Drew Smith has a minor league option, so I think the Mets will use the option on him. Sam McWilliams does too, but Sam McWilliams, he's been impressing a lot in 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 camp. Um, the word on him, 97 mile per hour fastball. Uh, he's two for two in save opportunities and saves. So I don't think Sam McWilliams is somebody that you can leave off of the off of the opening day roster. He's looking good again. Spring training, I know the games don't count. Sometimes you're facing guys who you know won't make the other team, but he's looking good. Uh, I did say on the last edition of the Metropolitan Report that I would like to see Jerry Blevins on the opening day roster, but too much competition for him. Uh, he is a great veteran and somebody that I would like to see on the team at some point in the season down the stretch. I would hope that th- that if they do assign him to minor league camp, he accepts the assignment and uh, doesn't go the retirement route because he did he did say that he was... Uh, edging towards retirement, and the only team he would have came out of retirement for was the Mets. Uh, he's a good veteran to have in the dog days of summer, and he's a guy that can, um, he's an experienced veteran that can help the younger guys. So uh, I, I hope there is a spot for Jerry Blevins somewhere down the line if he does not uh, get a roster spot on opening day. Other than that, I can't see Drew Smith. I can't see um, Stephen Tarpley. I can't see Daniel Zamora, even though they've been in the majors in the past, but. The, for the money you spent on May and Loop, that 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 clogs roster spots. Gasellman historically has been good, so that clogs the roster spot. And for what you gave up for Edwin Diaz a couple of years ago and sold the farm and the future, you got to have him on the roster regardless of if you think he's going to struggle or not, even though he's looked good uh, so far this spring. Uh, the non-roster veterans, uh, Blevins, Hildenberger, and uh, Vizcaino, um, I don't see them... I don't see them uh, beating out uh, Castro or McWilliams. If, 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 if those two don't make that, that bullpen, I, I'm going to be very shocked. I do want to acknowledge that Hildenberger and Montgomery, uh, they have both excelled, although their spring training outings this spring have been uh, very minimal, very small sample size, but they have looked good, but I don't see them uh, cracking the bullpen. So there you go. That's uh, my projected uh, Mets opening day roster. Uh, every position, every bullpen spot, every starting rotation spot. Uh, now let's get on to a hot topic. Now, this doesn't just include the New York Mets. This is all of baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball wants to implement some changes to the game. Uh, they won't be at the big league level in 2021. They're going to test them in the minor leagues. Now, this has been very debatable, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. Um, In AAA, uh, Major League Baseball wants to test out larger bases. So, in the majors, uh, each base is 15 inches long. But this year in AAA, they want to experiment with 18-inch squares, which will be composed of material that is expected to perform better in wet conditions. So... The reason for this is, number one, 
Um, they don't want, let's say it's raining. Uh, they don't want guys to get injured, uh, turning from first on the way to second or trying to steal a base. They don't want to get injured. Um, what the league office claims is that the subtle increase in size provides more room for players to operate around the bases, which reduces the odds of collisions that have caused foot and ankle injuries in the past. Uh, most notably back in 2017, when Bryce Harper was a Washington national, uh, he got hurt uh, running the first base, uh, sustained a knee injury, uh, stepping on first when the first base bag was slick uh, as it was raining in that game. Uh, now, keep in mind, by adding three inches to the base, this slightly decreases the distance between bases. Um, the league office argues that the impact is going to be modest, but... In my wholehearted opinion, theoretically, let's think about that for a second. You're going to make the bases bigger, which means the distance between the bases decreases by three inches. So, in my opinion, that's going to lead to more ground balls and bunts getting beat out at first. That's also going to lead to more successful stolen base attempts. Because think about it, the bases are bigger. The bases are going to take up more more space on the field. The bases are going to take up more, more space in the dirt. So in some instances where a guy's diving head first, it some some guys they they steal they steal bases diving head first and and with the outstretched hand and and they and they may, they get called safe or they get called out by a fingertip. So if you reduce the space by three inches and make the bases bigger, now there's a, a better chance of stealing bases. I have mixed opinions on that one. I'm not going to say yay and I'm not going to say nay. I actually have to see it in action. Because while the league argues, yeah, it's not going to be that much big of a deal, I got to see it in action because I don't know if three inches... I don't know if adding three inches is really going to be that much more impactful but if guys like ricky henderson had an extra three inches i think he would have i think he would have even though he's the all-time stolen base leader i think ricky henderson would have probably had more stolen bases from from the amount of times he was called out just by a hair but but that remains to be seen we we don't have any prolific base stealers in baseball nowadays the the likes of ricky henderson i am for changing the material of the bases because we don't want guys to get hurt, obviously. All right. In double A, Major League Baseball is going to test a defensive positioning rule. So pretty much the first baseman, the second baseman, the shortstop, and the third baseman will all be required to have both feet completely in front of the outer infield dirt boundary when the pitch is delivered. Meaning... You can't call a squeeze if you think a guy's going to bunt uh, and, and have all all four infielders uh, played close up into the grass. Historically, when, when you think a guy's going to bunt, they, they tell everybody to come in and, and they'll be off the dirt. But they have to be on the dirt. Both feet on the dirt. So that's going to affect strategy. Do I like it? Again, I, I have... Hmm. I personally feel if you've got, again, you got a speedster, like uh, who's fast in the league? 
like Harrison Bader. If you got Harrison Bader or Trey Turner up and the squeeze is on, you're giving the batter a guaranteed, uh, if he lays a bunt down correctly or hits a ball weakly enough that it doesn't travel that far in, into the infield, now you just gave the speeds through the base, which causes more problems because now there's a likely chance that the guy's going to steal if there's nobody on base in front of him. So I don't like this rule. Think about that. You 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 got to have all four guys in the dirt. So you can't have guys on the grass. If you have a speedster coming to drop a bunt, or imagine if a speedster's on first, and the pitcher is up in the National League, guaranteed the bunt the the pitcher might be out because the pitcher's historically not going to run fast, and then the speedster's on second. And this goes to the next rule that they want to do. In single A ball, they have what's called the step-off rule. So there's two facets to this. There's the step-off rule and the pick-off attempt limit. So if a pitcher is on the mound and he wants to try to pick off the runner at first, he has to step off the mound before he can throw over to first. That's so stupid. Because if I'm the runner on first, the minute I see the guy leaving the hill, I'm automatically just going to scramble back. And I can't picture anybody getting picked off because obviously to come off of the mound completely, that's going to take a little, a little, a big step or two steps. So the runner at first will never be, get, will never be picked off. And then speaking of pickoffs, they are limiting pitchers to two pickoffs per at bat. Meaning during an at bat, if the pitcher thinks the guy is going to steal at first, he can only try to pick him off twice. Now, according to these rules that they're going to test out, and I find this to be so stupid, the pitcher can attempt a third pickoff, but if he does not get the runner picked off, it counts as a balk. Do you know how stupid and dangerous that is? So you mean to tell me if I'm a pitcher, not only do I have to step off the mound to pick a guy off, but I can only attempt to pick him off twice. And if I try a third time and, I, and I'm unsuccessful, it's a balk. Meaning if a runner is at third, that runner now scores because I balked. Because I tried to pick the guy off and couldn't do it. Now, I've been to a lot of baseball games in my lifetime. And part of the atmosphere, especially now that fans are going to be allowed back in 2021, part of part of the experience is those lengthy at bats. And I and I understand that that pace of play and the length of games they wanna they wanna improve, both for the television audience and the audience in the ballpark that are there live. But part of the experience, you get a speedster on first base, or you get a guy who got who reached on error. Or just somebody who the pitcher just doesn't respect, and they try to get they try to get the runner off first a million different times, and then you hear the chorus of boos if it's the visiting team trying to pick off the home team. Uh, that's just part of the experience. Why would you want to dampen that? And it also plays in the strategy. But to give a guy two pickoff attempts, and it and should he be brave enough to try a third, and he and he gets he he gets. Uh, the runner gets called safe. Now that's a balk. Runs are going to score. Runners are going to advance. No, I'm not with that at all. 
And then the other thing about these rule changes. So the pickoff attempts and the step off rule, those are in single A. Think about development. Those are not being enforced in double A. So if you call a guy up in the middle of the minor league season and promote him from class A to double A, now all of a sudden his pickoff attempt has to be retooled. What he was learning or what may have been nailed in his head in single A is no longer the case in double A. And then the defensive positioning, that's only in double A. So you're not going to teach these guys in single A about that. It's not going to be enforced in the higher level of ball in triple A. So why only do it in double A? Like this doesn't make sense. If you're going to test out these rules and, and so that you don't end up stunting the development of some of these guys or, or getting them into habits that are only for one league, it doesn't make any sense. You want to test all these out, test them out in all the leagues or don't test them out at all. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I honestly don't see any issue with any of the rules in Major League Baseball currently. Oh, and let's not forget the last the last rule, single-A baseball. Going to have a 20-second pitch clock. Um, That's already been in effect in double-A and triple-A since 2015. But it, it only reduced the games by 12 minutes on average. I mean... I guess, because you also can't stand there forever. So I'm the only the only rule I'm not against is the pitch clock. But I I feel like a lot of guys are gonna get confused. They're gonna get stunted development because you want them to step off the mound to to pick off guys. You want them to only get two pickoff attempts in in single A. But when if you promote them to double A, that all goes out the window. I think the defensive positioning rule is foolish. A guy a, a speedy guy drops down a drag bunt. He's safe every time. If your infielders can't start uh, defensively already in, they got to be on the dirt, both feet. The larger bases, I'm for the material change, but I got to see how, I got to see it in action and see how the extra three inches plays out. Because again, if a guy like Ricky Anderson had a, a, a three inch decrease in, in, in distance, I think uh, those times he got called out by a fingertip or a hair, he, he would have made it and had more stolen bases. Um... As far as returning changed rules from last seasons, I'm, I'm very happy that they got rid of the universal DH. I feel like there's more strategy in the National League. Um, because when the pitcher comes up to bat, do you let him swing, swing away? Do you tell him to bunt? Do you pinch him for another batter? And then it also affects your bullpen decisions. So there's more strategy involved also during interleague play when American League teams are the visitor kind of interesting to see these american league pitchers um have to take at bats um and it forces american league managers to make decisions they never they never otherwise would have normally made again because they're playing in the opposite division so or the opposite league i should say uh i am not i am a fan of the seven inning double headers i should say i am a fan um only because think about it uh, rain delay uh, cancels one game completely. Uh, the next day uh, in the afternoon, they have a game followed by a game 30 minutes later in the evening. Eight, uh, if you have a guy like Pete Alonso, who's your who's your everyday first baseman, you don't really have a backup for, for the first base. 18 innings in one day, that's rough on the body. Baseball's a rough game. 
So to go from 18 to 14, granted some positions, like if the Mets ever had to do a doubleheader this season, I would imagine Almora and Pilar uh, will get in there in the outfield at one point in one game or another. Uh, VR or Guillaume would be somewhere in the infield in one game or another. But I, uh, it's not even a pace of play thing or a time thing. I'm just looking out for the injuries. So I'm not against the, the seven inning doubleheaders. I am against this extra inning rule that was implemented last season. They claimed it was for COVID protocol. And, you know, COVID is still um, a threat to, to, to the health of the general public. But I'm not a fan of starting extra innings with a man on second. Because the team didn't earn that. That was just given to them. And I think it kind of screws the visiting team because everybody knows in baseball, the visiting team bats first. So the top of the 10th, if they get one run, that doesn't necessarily get them out of the game as the winner. The very next inning, you get a guy hits a moonshot over the fence. Game over. Two-run bomb automatic. And also, you get a guy who starts on second. The pitcher take even though they, they do claim that the earned run average of the pitcher will not be will not be affected by the first runner to score because it's not an earned run. You're messing with guys' stats because the pitcher that gives up that 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 winning run, even though his ERA doesn't change, he gets a loss in the L column still, which I don't agree with. Don't 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 mess with these guys' stats. Stats is what gets you in the Hall of Fame. So I and then also, again, that's so inauthentic. You're going to put a guy on a base and he didn't even earn the right to be on that base. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that at all, at all, at all. I I wish Rob Manfred would rethink it and not do it, but I'm just not a fan of, of, of having a man on second base. I mean, some people will argue, oh, well, you know, it, it changes the strategy. I think that's a, that, that's a bunch of BS. Uh, that's not a strategic move because what? How, with a man on second, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, you could change a pitcher. But even with the new rule that was implemented for the first time last season, to start to start an inning, um, unless the guy pitched a previous inning, has to face at least three batters before he can be pulled. So if you start the 10th with a new man on the hill, you can't do much. There's no strategy involved. You just have to hope that your pitcher does well and... He gets those guys, he, he gets out of the inning unscathed. But I feel it's such an unfair thing, especially for the visiting team in extra innings, starting with a man on second, please. And the final thing we're going to touch, the black jerseys. Um, Several of the Mets and even Steve Cohen have, 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 you know, riled up fans on Twitter talking about should they bring the black jerseys back. I know Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor and uh, Dom Smith and even Marcus Stroman have said, that they want the black jerseys back. And the black jerseys are iconic because in the late 90s to mid-2000s, uh, the Mets alternate, which they wore that alternate jersey way more than than the home or road jerseys. Um, they wore it both at home and on the road. Um, that's so symbolic of, the, of those Mets teams because when I see black Mets jerseys, I think of Piazza, I think of Robin Ventura and the Grand Slam single in the 1999 uh, NLDS comes to mind. Um, uh, I think of uh, Ray Ordonez and Edgardo Alfonso and John Franco and 
even the beginnings of, of David Wright's career, Jose Reyes's career, um, those black jerseys, man, like John Olerud, those, those black jerseys, they were, I know some people don't like them, but I don't see the harm in, I don't see the harm in having the black jerseys come back. I mean, they don't have to wear it all the time. They can maybe even wear, wear it. They maybe even can wear it maybe once, once in a blue. That That's ironic. See what I did there? Because the Mets normally wear blue and orange. But let's take a listen to what Pete Alonzo had to say when the issue of black jerseys was brought to his attention. We got to make it a thing. The Friday night blackouts. I mean, I, I'm just picturing in my mind, like everybody in the stadium, like with a blacked out jersey. And it just looks like a, like, I, I think it'd be so intimidating. And it, there's just sea of, of black shirts out there in the, in the, in the outfield um, with, with like music banging out of the speakers, lights going. And, and I, it, for me, I think that they're, it would bring a lot of swagger and a lot of moxie. And, oh, man, I, I just have this vision. I can't necessarily explain it all, but um, it's I, – I think it would bring a, a lot of excitement. I know the black jerseys are very polarizing, but I don't know why. I think they look awesome. I think they're they're great. And for me, I think – when I think – for me, when I, when I grew up and people in, that grew up around my age, they used to watch, like – Outlier, John Franco, Mike Piazza, like, you, I mean, David Wright played in the black jerseys. Um, you had Jose Reyes, like, back in the day, vintage. Like, you had so many of those, like, great Mets that wore those black jerseys. And I feel like that's so iconic. Um, and I don't know. I feel like bring that swagger. Bring that swagger back. All I could say is somebody put Pete Alonzo on the New York Mets marketing department. Uh, blackout Fridays. I like the idea of that. Um, I think like how um, in basketball, the Lakers had their, their white Sunday unis. I think the Mets should bring back the black Jersey for Friday home games, blackout Fridays. Somebody put Pete Alonzo on the marketing team for the Mets. Think about that music bumping out the speakers, lights flickering everybody in city field with a black Mets Jersey or a black shirt. And then also, you could tell Pete Alonzo has, has respect for the history of the Mets organization because just like I rattled off names, he rattled off names too of, of so many great Mets who played in those black jerseys. And again, they are iconic. The Mets made a World Series wearing those black jerseys in 2000, although they didn't win, but they still made it. Somebody listen to Pete Alonzo. Steve Cohen, listen to Pete Alonzo. Let's have Blackout Fridays. In, in 2021, every year going forward, every Friday home game is black jerseys. I'm with it. I support it. Let's bring it back. I got a couple of black Met, Met hats from that time period, too, in my collection. So I'm not against it. I would love to see those black jerseys back. So uh, on a final note, bring back the black jerseys. Give Pete Alonzo some input and a, and a position in the Mets marketing department. And last but not least, let's go Mets.